This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Beckinsale. All right, all right, all right. Thou must be married to no man but me, for I am he born to tame you, Kate, and bring you from a wild Kate to a Kate, conformable as other household Kates. Here comes your father. Never make the night. I must and will have Katharina to my wife. Wow. Wow. Beautiful poetry. If you had given me one million guesses to what your intro was going to be, <laughs> it would not have been marrying McConaughey to Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, that wasn't from Dazed and Confused? No, not oh, at all, son. <laughs> son, wow. Wow. Yeah. Welcome Classy to Bacon McConaughey. Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Kent. And Jacob. The like astonished to, Jacob. We'd like to thank you for listening to our Oscar predictions last week. Uh, yes, the Oscars were last night. But we're not announcing the winners here. We will be saving that for the Valentine's Day bacon bit. Precisely. At the end of the week. Woo-hoo. Yes. So look forward to that. For Valentine's Day, for yeah. some reason. <laughs> we're giving away movie theaters, you know, stuff. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah. And we're giving show, away whole movie theaters. I'm still very surprised at some of those results on the show last night on the Oscars. Insane. It was crazy. I can't believe they got up there and said that at that one time. Mm-hmm. Is that general enough for you? That's pretty general. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Uh, but we uh, like to thank you for listening. And we'd like to give some thanks to people who gave us reviews on iTunes. Let's hear it. So first of all, we have a review from Tyler H91, and he says... It's his born name. Yes. I love this podcast. I feel like every episode is a fun listen. These guys are hilarious, and the show is very quotable. I can't recommend it enough. I don't think he's listened to enough episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Keep quoting us. And then we have uh, Seadrought17, and he says, Whether you agree with them or not, listening to these three give their take on various pop culture topics should be part of your weekly ritual. Who would ever think that rating French fries or cereal would be so entertaining? I love that they clearly put a lot of time and preparation into each episode. Thank you. He's talking about me. Uh, it, isn't just an, <laughs> uh-huh. it isn't just an hour of random chatting. They have done work and research, and the show is better because of it. You will surely learn something new from every show. It might be something you never really cared to know, but it will definitely be an aha experience. Wow. Yeah. I love you. it. Thank you, Seadrought17. Were those compliments? I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, yeah. take it as. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then finally, we have a uh, review from Larita12381, who says, Great guys and a great podcast. I'm not a member of the, quote, geek culture, but I love the humor and I am always thoroughly entertained. Oh, cool. So see that? Even if you're not a fan of geek culture, you can love Bacon Cell. Recommend it to your non-geek friends. Also, we have some new patrons, guys. Uh, your heart wasn't in that, by the way. It was, well, your heart still was not there. Out of my teeth. Oh, okay. Mine was. I'm excited <laughs> yeah, for that. No, I actually am very excited. Uh, we have I a, love new patrons. A Bake, the letter A and the word Bake. Okay, A so Bake. A Bake. Uh, thank you for being a patron of Bacon Sale. Awesome. Also, Mikey Hales. Oh, Mikey's great. Mikey Hales. I don't know him. Do you yeah. know him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mike's great. He's a, a, a tier two patron of Bacon Sale as well. Awesome. And then we have Nathan and Chelsea. Oh, they're the best. I don't. I like how I say everyone is the best, but it's just the newest patron. They're the best. You know what? What if it's just what? What what if it's not the Nathan and Chelsea? You know, they didn't put a last name. Oh, they're okay then. (laughs) But the Nathan and Chelsea, I know they're the best. Okay. Yeah. No, cool. Well, thank you for being patrons of Bacon Cell. We really do appreciate it. And really, if you if you haven't been on Patreon, if you don't know what goes on there, we put a whole bunch of extra content there. Things like uh, videos or. uh, mini episodes yeah. or background stuff that you don't normally see. Dating stories. We're dating Dat- stories. We're dating yeah. stories. For the price of a black bean quesarito per month. <laughs> one black <laughs> really? bean quesarito That's per month. That's the reference? Yes. <laughs> you can you can get all this extra content. You can get they a lot of the extra content. Beans? They have black bean quesaritos, yes. Now, there are different tiers as well uh, I've missed that. Of, uh, of Patreon. But can we talk about the Taco Bell menu some more? Yeah, <laughs> I will. We've done that show. I'll do it a lot. 
But uh, thank you for being patrons and thank you for listening to Bacon Cell. We really do appreciate it. I mean, we appreciate your support. We really do. And we, we do talk about that every episode, but that's not what we're talking about today. What are we talking about today, Jacob? Something how to lose 10 guys in a date or something like that. I think it's how to lose 10 guys in a date. That's wrong podcast. Kent went on a date with 10 guys and I try to get, get rid of them. And this and is don't how. Know how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how. Guys, we're actually going to do our first versus show in a two long years. Time. It's been a long time. Well, whenever we do these versus shows, Kent and I like, we don't like to just pick topics. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be like it comes up in conversation. Yes. And so he and I were having a conversation. I don't remember how long ago. I don't it's even always what the random. Context can was. I, can yeah. I just validate the truth of this for a moment? Because listener, when we used to pick these topics at the very beginning of Bacon Sale, we did a lot. I would I would listen to these guys argue about something, and I would be like, "Not interesting, not interesting." Ooh, that one. But it was always organic arguments. Like, yes. that's how it started. And be like, "This this one's real. Let's do this." And so we got to talking. I think we got to how I get confused with ten things I hate about you and how to lose a guy in ten days. And then I said, well, yeah. obviously, How to Lose Guy, Guy in 10 Days is the superior movie. And Kent's like, no, it's not. Yeah, I'm like, you crazy. 10 Things I Hate About You is better. And, and so, I like that because the number 10 is in there. That's what makes it confusing. the same general number of years. We now decided to make these movies fight literally in our Valentine's Week show. Movies from 25 years ago. Yes. Oh, yes. We should bring that up. The reason we're talking about these romantic Yeah, we needed a reason. Is because <laughs> a Valentine's Day is coming up this Friday. <laughs> So listen to this to help you get prepared. Yeah, it's a rom-com. It's romantic yeah. comedies. It's all about love. But I love how I actually just looked at this, Kent. How to lose a guy in 10 days. 10 things I hate about you. Literally, the only word I can see that they have in common is the number 10. Yes. They don't have any other words in common. Yeah, but apparently it's 10 guys now. Apparently. So what I'm going to say, because we're going to get the, these titles confused so often, Joel will be fighting for my cause at times. I'll be fighting for his at times. <laughs> Unintentionally. Yes. And so I'm going to call them how to lose and 10 things. And hopefully that gets it straight. And I'm just going to mess up every time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. So yeah. We need to keep this pretty clear for the listener, if at all possible. So we're going like debate style and it gets pretty uproarious at times. This time, I don't know. We'll see how we're it trying goes. To get we are adding some formality. A little this structure time. here. Yes. Okay. I looked online at high school debate, speech debate <laughs> formats. You know, we could have just brought Matt's or Mott's in on this one because he would have yelled at me. He beat a lot of people in <laughs> debate. <laughs> Gonna bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Just by screaming <laughs> no at them a lot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, usually you guys just have like, you know, food and objects on your desk and you just hurl them at each other yes, throughout yeah. the whole argument. But this time, this time, guys, the way it's going to begin is Kent is going to have an introduction to explain. He's going to have five minutes. And then, Joel, you'll also have that uh, opportunity to rebuttal right after him. Mm -hmm. For two minutes. For two minutes. <laughs> this and, is so uh, funny. And then, Joel, <laughs> you'll have a five-minute opening statement. Kent, you'll have a two-minute rebuttal. And then we'll dig into our topics, of which there are many. And we'll also there have some closing statements. I'm also going to be curbing you guys if at all needed, but I don't yeah, know. Like if I, we I get too redundant on this, like let us know. I will. Stop yeah. us if we and just time us on the, on the beginnings and the endings just we want to make sure we're very tight on that. And even if you don't know either of these movies, 10 Things I Hate About You or How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, we are going to spend the first chunk here explaining these movies so that you can enjoy this argument as well. Yes. So can I start? Jacob, are you ready with the timer? You won't need it. I'll be, I'll be succinct. You are that prepared. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. And I'm, I'm going to do the timer for my anyway, rebuttal. Though. Let me tell you a story. The year was 1999. I was a young 18-year-old with bleach blonde hair. 
if you would believe it or not. I'm trying not to interrupt, so please don't engage me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually trying to get you to jump in. Mm-mm. So I'm, an, I'm a young 18-year-old wearing corduroy pants, a second-hand ironic t-shirt, and Airwalk sneakers the size of Bigfoot slippers. My media diet at this time consisted of 90s punk rock, ska, and a healthy dose of movies that most snobby critics gave two and a half stars to. They were the best. Mostly demonstrating we shouldn't trust you. Let's jump specifically to March 31st of that year. So March 31st, I was visiting my cousin in Mesa, Arizona, and we had nothing better to do than go to the mall. We had a few hours to kill, so I asked that we go see the big movie that opened up that weekend, The Matrix, March 31st, 1999. My cousin had recently turned over a new leaf and said he couldn't see any more R-rated movies. I was mad. I begged him to see The Matrix, but no avail. He instead asked that we go see the other release of the weekend, a low-key teen romantic comedy called 10 Things I Hate About You. (laughs) I looked at the poster and saw that it starred that awkward kid from Third Rock from the Sun and Alex Mack. I begrudgingly agreed to go. The movie immediately starts with graffiti titles and plays a remix version of The Bare Naked Ladies one week. Mm -hmm. After being burned by She's All That a few months earlier, I wasn't ready to care about the same type of movie. However, the camera pans to a group of preppy girls cruising to that song and transitions to Julia Stiles' character Cat, rocking out to Bad Reputation by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I knew at that point that this was going to be something special. <laughs> it was truly a show-don't-tell moment of great writing and a fantastic way to introduce the character. <laughs> While I initially judged it to be a cheesy movie, it slowly and subtly won me over. So the plot, it centers around four main characters that interweave between each of these characters. There's Bianca, the popular girl. She really wants to go out with the jock, but her protective father won't allow her to go on a date until her ill-tempered sister, Cat goes out with someone as well. Enter Cameron, the new kid with hope in his eyes, who pines for Bianca. Both he and the popular jock know that in order to go out with sweet Bianca, they must somehow find someone to romance the older sister. Enter Patrick, the outsider that would rather stay under the radar. He soon learns that there is no way to tame this seeming shrew, but instead must prove himself worthy of her affection. Even though I didn't go see The Matrix that day, I walked out of the theater that day thankful that my cousin submitted me into seeing one of the (laughs) best teen comedies of the 90s. It appealed to my musical tastes, my sarcasm, love of good writing, and devoutness to everything the 90s represented. I've now seen this movie three times, the most recent being this week. Before starting it, I was sure that this was a product of that decade and probably best left there. Now I have a new appreciation for this movie that is actually more clever than it deserves to be. It has great acting, a great style, a great soundtrack, and characters that will stay with you. Ladies and gentlemen of the listener, I give you the movie that introduced Heath Ledger to U.S. audiences and proved there is plenty of life in the simple genres of teen and romantic comedies. No one needs to even claim this as a guilty pleasure because, in truth, 10 Things I Hate About You is an absolute pleasure. <clears throat> You've got a minute and 45 seconds left. Succinct. <laughs> <laughs> My rebuttal? Uh, two minutes, correct? Correct. I am starting now. I also remember seeing this movie, Kent, in theaters. I was in uh, Taming of the Shrew in high school. I You're played, a theater kid. I played the part of Lucentio, and when this movie came out as an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew, I was excited. And so me and a bunch of the castmates went together and went and saw this movie. I hated it. I almost walked out of this movie. One of the few movies I've almost ever walked out of. I did not like this movie. This movie is too immature for its own good. It's as if, as if the filmmakers wanted to make a, the leap to R-rated raunchy comedy, but were too scared they'd lose the tween audience, so it falls awkwardly between the two. There are parts of the movie that I like, yes, but if you're looking for a good adaptation of Shakespeare's famous comedy, I'd recommend seeing the 1967's Taming of the Shrew instead of watching this. Now, Kent, during your uh, opening statement, you mostly talked about yourself, which is understandable. 
But you also admitted, because you didn't want to talk about the movie as much, because you know it's a weaker movie. In fact, you admitted that you didn't like good movies back then. And I might even say your, your cousin who took you to this movie, this movie may even be more R than The Matrix is. <laughs> and uh, you said you're burned by She's All That. Are you serious? Rachel Lee Cook? You're putting down a Rachel Lee Cook movie? Yes. Definitely better than 10 Things F- I Hate false. About You. False. Don't interrupt. She- Don't interrupt. <laughs> and let me ask you a question, Kent, as I wrap up here. Now that it's been years past, it's obvious that you hold 10 Things I Hate About You and The Matrix in the same regard then, right? Absolutely. You put them on the same pedestal? Of course not. You're going on the record One segment? is my second favorite movie of all time. And one and is one is the, the best romantic comedy of all time. It's not even a romantic comedy. It's yes, a it teen comedy at that. Oh, wow. There's this no is my time. Best team this com- is team my you, time. You ask me a question, sir. I'm not asking you any questions. <laughs> I'm, like rebutting. I'm, <laughs> I'm rebutting right now. <laughs> so uh, basically, I just want to say that this is a failed attempt. Five seconds. At Taming of the Shrew. All right. Well, this is interesting. <laughs> this is the weirdest fight. <laughs> but we can't fight yet. We're not. Right. We're, the gloves oh, are yeah, off. Yeah. This is, this this is, is the, honestly this is the just warming arguments. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is just warming up. All right. Joel, are you ready for your... Yes, I am. And I will be doing much okay. more talking about the movie. Okay. Okay. Ready, set, go. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is based on a short cartoon book of the same name by Michelle Alexander and Jeannie Long. It was released on February 7th, 2003. May I give a synopsis? Yes, I may, because Kent's not going to interrupt me. <laughs> I'm ben- following the rules. <laughs> Benjamin Barry is an advertising executive and a ladies' man who, to win a, big be- to win a big campaign, bets his boss that he can make a woman fall in love with him in 10 days. Andy Anderson uh, covers the how-to beat for Composure magazine and is assigned to write an article on how to lose a guy in 10 days. They end up meeting in a bar shortly after the bet is made. Ben and Andy soon both start their quests, neither revealing their true intentions. Andy works hard to drive Ben insane and make him break up with her in order to complete her article, but Ben continues to stick around in hopes of making her fall in love with him, and hilarity ensues. Andy, uh, for example, Andy gets knocked out in a movie theater by by talking aloud while watching Sleepless in Seattle. She rapidly moves things uh, into his apartment. She acts overly possessive and sensitive and clingy. She ruins his boy's poker night for him and uh, embarrasses him in front of his friends. And then she takes him to Celine Dion concert when he was under the impression he was going to be seeing a New York Knicks game instead. That's basketball, Kent. Ben stays with her despite everything and eventually invites Andy to visit his family in Staten Island for the weekend. While vacationing together, Ben and Andy begin to form a genuine bond. Andy then tries to explain to her boss that she cannot continue writing and publishing the article as she has really got to know this guy, but Lana remains insistent upon it. On the last day of the bet, Andy and Ben go to the company ball together. While there, Andy learns about Ben's bet, and Ben learns about Andy's article. They end up arguing in front of everyone and going their separate ways. After her writing her article, however, about how she lost the love of her life, Andy quits her job and starts off to Washington, D.C. for an interview. Ben, however, reads the article and realizes he loves Andy and chases her taxi down and stops her, confessing her lo- confessing his love to her. On a bridge, I think. Yes, it is. <laughs> when it comes to romantic comedies, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is comfort food. It includes all the ingredients you've come to expect in romantic comedies like this, and it feels welcomingly familiar. Sure, it has cringeworthy parts, what, what romantic comedy doesn't? But I found myself laughing out loud more than I thought I would. Kate Hudson is hilarious, and Matthew McConaughey plays so well off her performance. If you are a fan of romantic comedies, this is definitely one you should look up if you haven't seen it already. Joel mentioned the word. It's so weird it's, to not have you guys arguing as wait, you like one your person turn. talking. Kent was ready to pounce. You were and done. You hadn't even given my, you were done. I had not given you the floor yet. 
You have, you have, Joel mentioned the word hilarity. He's got hey, wait, he, said, he hasn't even given it to you yet. We call him the comedian. I think we need to take that back. You laughed out loud. All right. So many We're times. Starting your time. So many Dan. times. This okay, is your time. How to Lose a Guy, so I'm going to call it How to Lose, is a movie that owes everything to convenience. The premise is convenient. The timing is convenient. And the characters react in convenient ways. You called this comfort food, and you think this would be chicken soup for the rom-com soul. However, both characters are irredeemable. The plot inconsistencies are insulting to the audience, and the climax may be the worst in rom-com history. What could have been a unique premise based on how to be really annoying and how to try to get rid of one person, it just becomes cookie cutter and fluffy. This is about two liars in a fake courtship, and we're supposed to believe it's romantic. I will get to how the ending was later. Instead of cute and endearing, it's sociopathic and dull. And it's funny that you were trying to correct me on basketball knowledge, because let's talk about the inconsistencies in this movie. So the Knicks and Celine Dion <laughs> are playing in the same in Madison Square Garden in the same night, which will never happen. Also in this movie, the Knicks are playing four straight home games in New York. I, oh, I didn't uh, mention SB, SB, this, is not turn, docu- this is not a documentary. I should SB clarify. SBNation.com just totally ripped this movie apart for being like, it's about the Knicks in the finals, uh, which will never happen again. And it's four home games in a row because Matthew McConaughey keeps wanting to go to the games. And if he loves the Knicks that much, wouldn't he know that games three and four would be out of state? He didn't. Also, when he walks out of the concert with Celine, the Celine Dion concert, the Knicks fans are walking out at the same time. And that will never, ever happen. That they will play the main stage, a concert, and a finals game. Ken doesn't understand fiction. Uh, fiction, you should seconds. have good writing. This was bad writing with inconsistencies throughout. Incredibly dull. And one funny moment, and it was the photo album moment. I laughed one time in this movie, and it was like this. Hmm. That's what this movie deserves. All right, gentlemen. So you are both very well ready to start yelling. So um, irredeemable. <laughs> you want to talk about irredeemable characters? Yeah. Every single character in How to Lose and Ten Things I Hate About You is irredeemable. Let's talk about Taming of the Shrew, if you will. I love Taming of the Shrew. A tier three Shakespeare play <gasps> made into a great How teen dare romantic you? comedy. Taming of the Shrew is not on trial here. It is the best. The best Shakespeare comedy. Well, you guys do this for a minute. I'm going to give you some topics in a second. Well, let's talk about Taming of the Shrew. Please so, do. Petruchio, he deprives, Petruchio, he deprives Catherine of food. He can't sleep, even pronounce it correctly. Food, sleep, Noted. and clothing until she agrees to whatever he says, brainwashing her with abuse. It's a story of a man badgering his high-spirited wife into submission. Am I wrong? You She's are wrong. not introduced until chapter you two. You are wrong. Ken. Until act Two of Kent. this of this play. Oh, that's because it's in a frame. I don't know if you know this, but at the beginning and the end of the play, there's so, actually people telling the story. I hate to do this because it's generally not my frame, but you realize it's only this men semester, characters right? talk about the women, and then you finally hear a woman's voice more than halfway through. Not true. So true. Not in fact, true. I just read it. No, I Kent. read it this last week because I did this play, and we had how, characters how years of ago? all genders. Was this, it fresh? This is back in '98. Yeah, 98. but we had characters of all gen- genders talking. We had all roles filled. And we did the framework, but Kent, what you don't realize, and this is something I learned, is that Kate actually tames Petruchio in the end. He becomes a better man because he's trying to change her. Nope, he says, Catherine, come into the party and serve me, which she does. That's not even a direct quote. I'd like <laughs> That's to point Shakespeare. That out. Alas, Catherine, come if you're going to quote it, it has to be like Shakespeare. Wait, but words. we're not even talking about Taming the Shrew. He can't even talk no, about the movie because can't. he knows it's not a movie that he can prop up. We still have an hour, Joel. I know. You don't think we're going to talk about the movie? But no, your, you your whole yet. fallacy. <laughs> Let of, me know when you start talking about I didn't your like movie. This, I didn't like this movie because I was in the play and I wanted to be faithful. You want it to be a sexist movie? Have I said that once, Kent? That well, I didn't like it because I was in the play? 
You, that's what you said. You were in the play, and no, then you didn't like the I movie. I have not said this you this said this to all. me personally. Oh, okay. So it you're bringing up things that cop in off topic. So can I talk about what you've said yeah, off absolutely. the record? Sure. You said you hated this movie. You said it was a terrible movie. I never said that. Yes, you did. When would I say that? You said, how can I defend this movie? It's not that good. What? No, you I didn't. didn't. You said these are both man movies. I said, I actually like mine. You're like, oh, oh. I didn't say that at that all. That was today at lunch. That's like me quoting Shakespeare. That's you butchering what I'm saying. No. Yeah, I'm saying... Look, these movies are funny. Why are we going to bat defending both movies? It's silly. And you're like, I lose a guy, which is a terrible movie. You, you want to talk that. about misogyny? Hold Kids? on. Still talking. You said that's one of the best romantic comedies. Wait, I'm like, that is fluff. I just realized something. Yes. He's bashing on the source material for his movie. Why am I arguing against him? Yeah, because it's Taming of the Shrew, which you love so much. And yeah. you didn't like this movie. But you're talking about how bad your movie is because the whole point of your movie is... Patrick beating Kate in, in submission. Fact, if you let me get there, I'm wow, going to talk Kent, about how it improves please, on the source no, go material. Go ahead. Continue to bash on your own movie. It's not my own movie. It's the source material written hundreds of years ago, mm-hmm. and they improved the story. They did not. They improve completely the story. improved the story. In fact, it becomes contemporary and sharp without losing the romance. <laughs> okay. 100%. I'm going to bring in some topics here. I want you guys to both address. I, we're getting passionate about this. Accessibility. I love you, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> no, Can't you. Can you go first. Accessibility. Uh, speaking of love, while we're here. I want to talk because these are meant to be romantic comedies, right? So real quick, like how to lose a guy in 10 days. You talked about the ending scene where he comes, he chases her on the bridge and it's this whole chase scene. And she's about to go be independent, by the way, and go work in Washington, D.C. and become an actual journalist. And do you know what happens? I'm not going to say it because it's two swear words in this final scene. <laughs> it's one swear word. No, it's well, it's one swear word said multiple times. And so he goes, you're just running away. And she or she goes, I'm not running away. And he goes, bull crap. And she goes, What'd you say to me? And he goes, you heard me. Bullcrap. But she you goes, know why? And, no. And she goes, get over here. And they kiss. And those Kent. are the last lines of the movie. But mm. Jacob, may I explain? Bullcrap. That's not great. You're right. Jacob, may I explain? Okay, I'm ready. That is a callback. Can't we explain what a callback is? It's a reference to something that happened earlier. When okay. she, well, they, were, they were playing this game with each other where they were both trying to, to basically just, they were not really in love. It was a sham relationship. Right. But then they go away for the weekend and they go to uh, his family's house and they play this game called BS that we used to play. Uh, not me and you, but I used to play with my friends. A B, it's a card game. What where did you, you call it though? BS. That's okay. what we called it. Yeah. Yeah. I used to play that. Yeah. We grew up in Utah. We called it BS. Yeah. Yeah. You did. But you put down the cards and then you say, I have this main. They say BS. And so they're playing this game and it's during that game that she starts kind of opening up and actually becoming part of this family and becoming this part of this relationship. So when he said that, it was a callback to the moment when they realized that it's, they loved each other. It's almost like it's raining, and then you say, B.S., I love you too, B.S., I know. know. You want to know the climactic movie, uh, climactic part of uh, 10 Things I Hate About You? Mm-hmm. It's when they get a band that no one even remembers the name of, the, the lead singer, to walk down past the main characters and not even mention them. That's the climax of Kent's movie. You're leaving out the most romantic part. In fact, there are two, but you're leaving out the big moment, which is when Heath Ledger sings Was it when they drew, Was yeah. it when they drew a phallic symbol? So I can't say anything? A phallic symbol on someone's face? Is that the part you're talking about? Is the about? part where they, re- they give that names like Princess Sophia or Kroll? Is yeah. that what you're talking about? You're talking about the part when the, the kid, he didn't even know how to draw a phallic symbol. Someone else on set had to show that kid how to draw a phallic Thanks symbol on someone else's IMDb face. IMDb trivia. So oh, Heath what are you Ledger, going off of? Heath Ledger. History books? Heath Ledger sings Thank Frankie Valli's. Thank you, IMDb trivia. Can't take how my eyes you? off of you. Where are you getting your source material, Kent? And he's singing, mm-hmm. oh, all over the internet. By the way, uh, he didn't actually, the so director. So he's cutting me off because he doesn't actually want me to say this amazing yeah, I should part let you, in I'll, film. I'll let you talk about this part because it is a good part, but I'll also undercut it. Okay, well, I expect that if you let me get through it. So 
Heath Ledger is trying to make things right with Julia Stiles. And so he takes over the PA system and he starts singing, can't take my eyes off you. And he's running through the bleachers and security's coming after him. Why is security coming after him? Because you shouldn't be doing that. And it's a high school. He's a high school student. It's a high school practice. You don't think they try to stop Why you? Why would the cops be there? It's not cops. It's security. They look like cops. They Okay. That's, that's canon, I guess. But it's not just a grand romantic gesture for the sake of one. It's a public apology. And it doesn't even put her on the spot. The whole team is just kind of watching him. It's not like, what are you going to say to him? He just wants to let her know the ball's in her court if she wants it. This moves the plot forward, deepens the character relationships, and allows Ledger, Heath Ledger, to deliver a shot of a charisma without losing... I think losing it's pronounced Heath frickin' Ledger. Heath frickin' Ledger without yeah. losing his character's bad boy vibe in you the You know, process. originally he was going to sing I Think I Love You by the Partridge Family, but it was being used in Scream 2, so I said, oh, we can't use that. Well, yeah. So they had to go Julia oh, Stiles. Oh, bad movie. One of the actors <laughs> had to come up with, why don't they sing uh, Can't Take My Eyes Off You? So it's not even the filmmaker's credit here. It's Julia Stiles having a song that she likes and Heath Ledger pulling it wow, off. Wow, what an amazing moment. Impromptu no, amazing moments. It's basically them Brought saying like, you don't know what we're trivia. doing. Uh, hey, uh, little girl, what, what are we supposed do you, to do? Do you really not like that, that scene? No, I do like this. That's the only good scene of the movie. That's crazy. The only good scene. So also, I'm glad you brought that we up. talked about bull crap, right? Let me tell you about one of the lines that Heath Ledger, Patrick, and Julia Stiles' cat had okay. where Cat tells Patrick she doesn't like to live up to other people's expectations outside of her own. And he says... So you disappoint them from the start, and you're covered, right? She agrees, and then he says, then you've screwed up. You've never disappointed me. That is great love writing right there. It's not bullcrap. You're right. I do love you. Oh, yes, I'm Ken. glad I chased Choose you Choose one of the best lines from your also, movie and one of the worst lines from mine and compare them. This is totally Those on the are the moments where they fell in love. And, no. Am I wrong? She, you are wrong. Kate Hudson decided not to go to Washington, D.C. to pursue her career to stay back in New York. She for chose what love. Reason. How dare she choose love in a romantic comedy? Jacob, I demand a rewrite that this romantic comedy revolves around love. What's her? What's what, what does she want to do her whole time while working for composure? Well, I'll tell write, you what. Uh, it's not write uh, an article about. I'll Kazakhstan. tell you what. It's not actually. It's not about teen pregnancy, which is what your movie is all about. It is not all about that. It's about teen pregnancy. The dad is worried about teen pregnancy, and, and uh, that is why he says you cannot date until you graduate. Mm-hmm. And what? Did, when did Julia Stiles uh, have her? time with another man was it ninth grade is that what she says yes it is ninth grade that's what your movie's promoting it is not promoting that at all in fact she becomes a very strong character mm-hmm. outside of that she really does you don't think in fact that actually helps my case because she is a layered character with a backstory what's andy's She's story not a layered character T- tell us about andy's story andy's story yeah andy from your movie tell me about patrick's story okay because i found the same thing how one character does get more backstory than the other character in both movies. Actually, I will, because... I forgot how you guys find the weirdest crap to I know we do. about in the movies. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> so he's meant to be the bad boy, and she calls him on it. She says, is it true that you were in prison? Is it true that you did this? And, and then this? he has a five-second monologue where he gives his entire backstory of, actually, I was here doing this, da 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 that's he all was, we need to know, bye-bye. He was taking care of his sick grandpa, who was dead. And he spent that year. He's not very good at taking care of him. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. a kid. <laughs> but no, that's he's actually They're a troubled all kid. kids. He's a troubled kid. Yeah, it's, it's a high school movie, Joel. He's a troubled kid, and he wanted to stay under the radar because he's had a hard life. That, it's a kid movie for kids. That's a layered backstory If you want right a kid there. movie for kids, that's fine. Maybe try growing up once in a while and watching a movie for adults. Uh, don't you love teen comedies? Some, Are they kids movies for kids? Actually, a lot of teen comedies, no, I don't like. You like Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, parts of it. Wait, just parts? I thought you've like praised that movie before. I like it, but the thing is, there's definitely stuff I don't like in that movie. 
But we're not talking about that. Yeah, no, I'm just curious because I really thought so you I'd liked like the to genre. Bring up, I'd like to bring up the, the you like Spider Man. That's accessibility. Like a teen, teen did we did we discuss accessibility? Well, at all? so Which to one? me, if you're going to put one of these movies on for someone who doesn't like romantic comedies, they're probably going to end up liking How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days more. Didn't you call my movie because not a romantic comedy? So wouldn't they like that movie more? Except yours is Teeny Bop. Oh, hardly. Also, in regard to content. Uh, like I said, I almost walked out of this movie as a teen because I was like, this is over the line because they pull out, they, they don't rely on humor, Jacob. They rely on shock humor, which is they're going to make every crude reference possible. I only vaguely remember Including teen pregnancy, including phallic symbols drawn, including lots of language, including a scene where a teen uh, lifts up her shirt to a teacher. It's super awkward. But let me let me talk Sounds about like high school to me. Common sense media. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I want to talk about commonsensemedia.com. So they give how to lose the naughty Thanks score. IMDb trivia. The SEX score of three out of five. It has that much content. They give language three out of five. Consumerism, which is a thing, three out of five. <laughs> Drinking and drugs, three out of five. And they say it has no positive message. They give ten things. Very similar score, actually. This is very close. They give it a naughty SEX score of three out of five. Language two out of five. So the other one had three. No consumerism, thank goodness. Drinking or drugs, three out of five. And they give it a positive message for positive role models. So those are the differences. Mine apparently um, seems to be better as far as here's, lessons here's go. Here's my thing on this. In IMDb, it says the rating, uh, how, to, how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, rated PG-13 for some sex-related material. This is for, and then for 10 Things I Hate About You, rated PG-13 for crude, sex-related humor and dialogue, alcohol and drug-related scenes, all involving teens. That sounds so much Did more harsh. Did you write harsh. that? That's you exactly what's that? on IMDb. Go look it up. Remember, I am on IMDb. You're on... Have you ever seen Com- Common, Common Sense, Sense Media. Media? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're concerned Mine's about Mine's an children. internet movie database. Yes. Yours is... A very well-known site that's been around for 30 years, probably longer than yours. I doubt it. Yeah. Right, also, let's... have you seen a teen comedy? Do you not realize that they have these crazy situations at parties? Six minutes into the movie, Matthew McConaughey takes off his shirt. You're welcome. Hmm. That's accessibility right there. You're already in. <laughs> I actually saw that and I wrote in my notes, what's going on? Does Joel like this? It's five minutes into the movie and I just saw Matthew McConaughey's bare I chest. I have no problem with oh that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's what that's what they want back then. Way to, way to get ahead In of regard that, to the soundtrack, I want to bring up the soundtrack. Soundtrack? Is this part of accessibility? Yeah, because it's like one of the things like people listen We're just to the soundtrack. now. Okay. No, this, I have this in the accessibility. It talks like my soundtrack on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days features music from Al Green, George Thorogood, The Gin Blossoms, Carly Simon, Sixpence None the Risher. Kent's oh, could, actually, could I talk about mine real quick? Kent's could not. Could even, I talk about mine no, real quick? No, I get it first. Bare Naked Kent's Ladies, Salt could and Pepper, get Letters to Cleo. Original songs. No, oh, your songs are in every romantic comedy ever made. No, no. Your movie I'm is saying every yours romantic is covers. comedy ever made. Yours is covers from... They can't even oh, get, okay. They Hold have to on. do I Want You to Want Me, you know, by Cheap Trick, Classic by Cheap Trick. They get mm-hmm. Letters to Cleo to do it. Thanks, Letters to Cleo. Are they a band? A relevant artist at that time. How weird. A dated artist at that time. You put Al Wait. Green in a movie, it's Evergreen. You put Letters you put, to Cleo, put, hold on. it's the you 90s. Put Al Green in every movie, it's every movie. It's a familiar this one comfort stands apart. food. So this one has Casey and JoJo, Joan Jett, Thompson Twins, Cardigans, Semisonic, Save Ferris, Notorious B.I.G., Chopin. It has Chopin. A lot of these aren't on the official soundtrack, Kent. They're in the movie. In fact, you can get all all the tracks from the How to Lose How to Lose a Guy in hey, Jake, Ten Days. What was the soundtrack. experience of listening to the soundtrack Joel just played for us? Was it pretty excruciating? You were digging it for most part until that one song. That one song Two sucked songs. a lot. Uh, also, at Gin Blossoms. But here's the thing: yeah, 1992. You can get the entire soundtrack That's of How to so Lose a Guy in Ten Days on Google song? Play and Amazon Music. You can only get like six tracks of the How to Lose a, or Ten Things I Hate About You soundtrack on Google Play and Amazon Music. You do Music. Google Play? 
Oh, and okay. Amazon Music. Hmm. Oh, now we're bashing on Google Play Music? <laughs> just, if sources. you don't have an argument, just don't make an argument. You my don't have to poke my at argument the argument is the music used in the movie. Mine is way better and way more fun. Cruel to be kind is much better, but it's by Nick Lowe, not by Letters to All right. Cleo. All right, this is boring. How are you guys going to argue star power with this cast? Kent has one star and a bunch of backups. Mine has two of the most iconic romantic leads in the, to the early 2000s. Matthew McConaughey, here's what he started out before this movie he was in. Dazed and confused, a time to kill, contact Amistad, U571, frailty. What an amazing frailty. resume. Frailty is Yeah, frailty is great. What an amazing resume. Guess what happened after he's in this movie? Ready? Tiptoes, Sahara, two for the money, failure to launch Fool's Gold, Surfer Dude, and Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. This movie did so much disservice it's to him. It's his paycheck years. Oh, way big paycheck. This was his failure years where he was smoking a I'll say I'll leave it there. <laughs> Smoking nonstop because he was paying for drugs. He these this movie ruined him so long. He needed a reconnaissance to come back. This is the movie that started his downfall. And Kate Hudson, here's her resume. Alex and Emma, Raising Helen, You Me and Dupree, Fool's Gold, My Best Friend's Girl, Bride Wars, Mother's Day. She's a star. Almost Famous was her one good role. One movie. And you're calling her nah, star power? I don't like Almost Famous that much. Now attack mine because I've attacked yours. Well, no, I'm just going to... I already said it. Heath Ledger. That's the only shining star you have in your entire thing. Oh, that's... You Julia Stiles? that I missed Joseph Gordon-Levitt by 10 minutes on Sundance? What has he like been a, doing for the last decade? Let's talk about his movies. If you're, saying, if you're saying Kate Hudson's a star... Oh, Kent, I forgot oh, okay. you, gave, you gave me the floor and then took it right back. My mistake. Okay, go, go ahead, it. Kent. Go for it. You go may for talk it. now. No, I want talk you to talk. Talk until you're done, Kent. Okay. Brick, 500 Days no! of Summer, Inception, 50-50, Dark Knight Rises, Looper, The Walk, Snowden. Julia Stiles, Born Franchise, that's four movies. Mona Lisa Smile, Silver Linings Playbook, and Hustlers, which came out last year. Larissa Olnick is the lesser-known star here. I but thought Julia Stiles stopped. No, oh. still going. She was in this movie no, last Jacob, year. Jacob, that's the sentiment you should have on most people. I, I actually thought she retired. Just, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I thought he stopped. Larissa Olnick. I thought he stopped. Mad Men, Hawaii Five-0, Pretty Little Liars, huge TV ratings, and Heath Ledger. I oh, mean, don't I, forget. I know you don't want to talk about Heath Ledger. But this no. movie showed that Heath he Ledger was truly is a the star. star. It's him and everyone else. Do you really think Julia Stiles isn't the star of this movie? No, I'm saying he's the one who went on to become a star. Everyone else? <sighs> You're saying Joseph Gordon-Levitt is he's not a star. barely a star. Oh, my word. Anyway. You don't so, mean that at all. Actually, Ken, I forgot. Ken also had a big, huge cameo in both. They had both Save Ferris and Letters to Cleo do band cameos playing themselves in this movie. It's awesome. It's actually wow. great. You know what Ken's movie didn't have? An EGOT. My movie had an EGOT. Did we wear that, Kent? What? Marvin Hamlish won a, an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. There are only 15 people in the world who have done that, and they have him cameo in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> He's a cameo? Well, he comes in at the end, and oh, they don't give even, it to him for Marvin and they don't even have him play. That's the whole comic, because they bring on this amazing EGOT, this amazing award-winning composer and musical writer who did the score for uh, The Sting. He also wrote the song The Way We Were, and Nobody Does It Better Guess from what? The Spy Who Loved Me. He's acting like he wrote the score here. He did not write this score. No, he wrote the score for this. He did not. No, not for this one. No, what, yeah, I'm, that's saying, a what I'm saying is it's a cameo. We're talking about star power here, Kent. It's an That's EGOT. not a star. Who knows this guy? Everyone in the, the producer's like, can I get my friend? Well, not those on up? Common Sense Media. They may not know who he is, Kent. The score is actually terrible. So Marvin Hamlish had nothing to do with it. But if Joel wants to win no, on no, Marvin Hamlish. I'm not, I didn't say score. I'm saying it was a cameo. That's what we're talking about, Kent. Pay attention once in you a while. You did say he did the score. All right, let's move Check on the to tapes. writing. Oh, this is the easy one for me. I agree. For me, too. <laughs> he <laughs> heard that. He said, I agree. So in my movie, they get the title out right at the beginning. They don't wait till the end to shoehorn it into some Roll stupid credits. Poem. I'm B.B. Like, Newworth. 
How to lose Here's a guy the in premise. 10 days, huh? Honestly, Kent's, uh, ten, the 10 things I hate about I you that I have popcorn. came from yeah. a poem that one of the writers wrote about her boyfriend in high school. It's awesome. Oh, relevant to high schoolers. Crazy. Where, like it feels sincere. It's mine actually makes sense for the movie because 10 things I hate about you, Jacob, in your mind, how does that deal with Kent's movie? Just off the top of your head, 10 things I hate about you. I'd rather not get into the middle of this. I'm just asking <laughs> as an impartial person who's probably not seen either of these. I've seen both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what 10 things I hate about you has to do with the plot? Uh, yeah, it's a girl that hates guys. Okay. See, it doesn't really have anything to do with the thing. Now, Jacob, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Based on that title, what do you think is going to happen in the movie? Perhaps a overly prescribed plot. Could you Romantic imagine? Comedy. Could you imagine? Oh, Ken's got he, his mocking arms out. Everyone listen. <laughs> he has to find someone you put to your love him in down. 10 days. Isn't Why'd that you put convenient? your mocking arms down, Kent? But listen to my voice. My listen, mocking the arms are The trouble with this is they're both pretty silly titles. So I already kind of bagged on the story, the, supposed to be, though. the adaptation, what it came from, because I do think it's a tier three Shakespeare play. But let's talk about the book, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, The Universal Don'ts of Dating. It has a 3.3 after on Amazon. It was written well, well before. And it's a book about stick figures, literally stick figures that a child could draw. That's like, here's, a, it says wedding and they're holding oh, a book oh, and then a guy runs away. Up. This is my thing. And this is yours. Yeah, this is a comic book. And a review I know you don't read from Stacey W., it's one star on Amazon. This is this, this book resource. is a joke, like reading a child. <laughs> I book. can't use IMDb, but he can use Stacy W from Amazon. <laughs> Amazon.com, biggest site out uh, there. <laughs> now, one of my issues, one of my issues, and this this is where I'm going to bring it up. When I was in the play, mm-hmm. Lucentio was my character's name. In the movie, they don't call him Luke, which would have been a natural uh, transition because they did uh, Petruca you know, became it's not Patrick. A full adaptation. Kate though, right? became Kate. Oh, I know Kent. Yeah. And if you'd allow me to finish my point, oh, here, no, I can asking. tell you. Have I gone two minutes or two seconds without him interrupting me before? I'm, just, I'm trying to figure it out. Love you, Joel. Uh, but it, like they, they didn't use Luke. They used Cameron James because they wanted to pay homage to James Cameron. He's a film fan. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas mine has Andy Cameron Anderson. And James. Huh? Andy Anderson and Benjamin Barry. I they love like alliteration. superheroes. <laughs> uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, the writing, obviously scripted. Everyone's line is polished and quirky and fun. Whereas mine, the banter feels realistic. It feels more like people normally talk. Can I read you a line from Matthew McConaughey? I'm ready. I fact, love, I'm looking forward to this. I love women. I do. Whether they're 4, 40, or my 88-year-old grandmother. Well, that sounded a little bit creepy. Because he's a jerk at the beginning. Four? Actually, that's kind of great because Ben's competitors are trying to get him to have a woman fall in love with him just because. And that's going to get him the account, even though they shouldn't do this because there's nothing they're going to win from this bet because they already have the account. And the boss is like, sure, he's a jerk and you guys are terrible. Let's have everyone be terrible. I just don't think that's good writing. Now, everyone be terrible is interesting because when I watched the movie and when my wife watched the movie, we both agreed that almost everyone in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is a nice person. Everyone may be doing something a little deceitful, but everyone's a nice person, especially when you meet the family. Everyone's nice. 10 Things I Hate About You is a movie of villains. There is no one to root for because everyone is a jerk in one form or another. Wow. You're really calling Kat a jerk? Yeah. She is a jerk. She's not at all. She is a jerk. She's not. She's a jerk to her sister all the time. Like no, she gets after Bianca all the trying time. Trying to protect her sister. No, she's a jerk. You really saw her as a jerk? Yes. A strong, independent woman you see as a jerk? No. Okay. Don't put words in my mouth like I'm that. I'm just asking because I feel like she is a great selfless character who... People need to prove their love Selfless to Selfless character who flashes teachers. But yeah, that was a weird part. I admit, that was a really weird part. <laughs> but <laughs> Is I that part say, of being selfless? No. <laughs> Is that Actually, she argument? did it so that Heath Ledger could ditch class. Uh. <laughs> but I, I believe that How to Lose 
it it's only tropes. She also has a crush on Jared Leto. She mentions yeah, who becomes Joker. It's so the that's Joker that's the thing. Joker we're going with here. Kent Kent's promoting a movie that promotes Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> she loves the Joker's. What can I say? He, uh, How to Lose is only tropes. He's in advertising. She's a journalist. Those are two of the biggest rom-com tropes you can find. Also, here's a goofy best friend five minutes in. Isn't that crazy? It's like a rom-com, and this is the format. I wonder when Ken's going to start talking about his movie. Boy meets girl, sparks fly, boy and girl break up over miscommunication. They reconcile at the end. This is like Mad Libs, but for romantic comedy. And if you'd like me to talk about mine, I will, but I've also taken No, it's fine. Let's talk about yours a little bit, because Kent has a counselor, Miss Perky, who is literally writing a lusty romance novel Alice with a and kid Janney. in the room. Alice and Janney in a great performance. She's writing a way. lusty romance with a kid in the room and asks them what certain words she should use. It's really funny. It sounds actually. just like my high school Ledger's character, Patrick, uses a bratwurst to offend a lunch lady. If you can read from that what that means. This, is, uh, this enforces studi- harmful student stereotypes. It's a teen comedy. Do you really expect teens to be like, hmm, I'm glad we went to do you seminary expect, today. Do you expect teens to say, I burn, I pine, I perish? Which H- is a literal quote from Tammy of the Shrew. And feels completely out of place no, I actually in this want, movie. I actually want to use that when I describe girls from now on. I actually wrote that in my notes. That's my line. So, That's Lucentio's line. See, I want to quote you. <laughs> Ten Things I Hate About You is a movie with four central characters, not two despicable ones. And it gracefully weaves through each of their storylines. And it pro- provides depth for each. So you have Cameron Bianca. And it's like typical high school story, right? Like, he really likes her and she wants to be popular. But the additional leads with Kat and with Patrick, they bring depth to the story. And so what I really feel like this has, like, the depth timelessness. like uh, teen pregnancy, drug addiction, and bestiality in teens. Beast- what? What's oh, the last part? There, there was a joke in there about sheep. Oh, crazy jokes. Let's talk about Princess Sophia. But this has That's the romantic concepts of Shakespeare, the timeliness of John Hughes, and, like, a new school thought. Even if it's a 20-year-old movie, it has a new school thought because Kat is such a unique character. It turned Shakespeare into rap at one point. All right, let's move to directing. Now, uh, Kent's director, as you mentioned, was Gil Younger. He directed 13 episodes of Blossom, Black Knight with Martin Lawrence, 12 episodes of the failed 10 Things I Hate About You TV series, as well as the failed failed episode of the uh, 10 Things I Hate About You TV series, also the failed 10 Things I Hate About Life. Oh, that that never never happened. I'm amazed... That I, of the amount of things this guy has directed that I've never heard of. I've watched a lot of movies and TV. I looked at this guy's resume. I couldn't see anything really recognizable. Do you know what you probably heard of and loved? Donald Petrie's work, Richie Rich, the TV movie of Her- Turner and Hooch, Welcome to Mooseport, and My Favorite Martian. And don't forget, don't forget, uh, opportunity. <laughs> both these guys are just legends. Don't forget Donald Petrie's movie, Opportunity Knox, which I really love, Grumpy Old Men, and Miss Congeniality. You're bashing on the director of Miss Congeniality, Yeah, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because he made this movie. Well, at least my director didn't make up paintballs, which is where you don't you don't shoot guns of paintballs. Do you, you not- throw balloons full of paint around mm-hmm. bales of hay in an open area by a river? Would you have not done that on a date? I totally would have it done it. It doesn't exist. You're talking about fiction, Kent? He made up a game. Does it- he basically invented Quidditch. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> paintballs is Quidditch. Actually, I saw that and I'm like, that's a pretty fun date idea. And that oh. is where they fell in love. Like, it's actually a great scene. I felt like the director of 10 Things I Hate About You didn't know how to direct teens. And so he made them act like adults. They weren't teens. They were acting. No, that's like, like they're easy, basically like that's easy A stuff. When you put on like, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you put on your dad's jacket and it hangs pretty loose and you look kind of goofy, but you feel grown up. That's what 10 Things I Hate About You directing style is. Hey, act you mean up, from the works of Shakespeare and mixing it with teen comedy like and you're saying they're being gross and then you're saying they're being adults all of a sudden. No, they're, so trying they're being to be juvenile, adults. but they're being really mature. They're at the, the kids who, who try to talk about 
things and don't understand what things Says mean. Says the guy who likes Gilmore Girls. A Gilmore Girls is smart writing. And it's everyone smarter than with anything. Insane, in Ten Things I Hate About You. Voice. It's a better show than anything. Ten Things I Hate About. I'd rather watch all five seasons. Five seasons. You have watched all, all five seasons, seasons of Gilmore Girls again than ever watch Ten Things I Hate About You. Is that because you've been corrupted by uh, How to Lose a Guy? It's better writing. Move to acting. I'll start since Ken's at a loss. Oh uh, my, my gosh. My acting is, it's romantic comedy acting. This isn't high art. This called, is something you bad come acting. to expect. Just uh, call ba- what it is. Baby Newworth, uh, who played uh, in, oh, I just blanked on Frasier. Frasier. But yes. what's her name? Lilith. Lilith in Frasier in Cheers. She is always a delight to watch. And She's this in movie, it for two minutes. She isn't an overbearing character of her boss. She's realistic and ambitious, but never cruel. Like she's firm, but she's not like one of those caricature bosses. Uh, both Kate Hudson and no Matthew person. McConaughey are absolutely adorable. Like just amazing smiles, humorous. Kate Hudson has the most amazing facial expressions. I, 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 every time she like made a face when she'd do something horrible and then realize what she did and she'd be like, Ugh, it was hilarious to watch. And then also you get the side characters. You get buddies like uh, Catherine Hahn and Adam Goldberg and Thomas Lennon and they all held their own to the leads. They weren't in your face side characters. They were there to help the comedy go. Such as when the guys knock over a purse and start freaking out about what's inside, that was a hilarious moment. When Kate Hudson says, oh, I hate Mr. Sniffles, as she's wiping his, no- her, his nose in front of all the guys to embarrass him, hilarious line and hilarious acting. All right, Kim. Cliche, but that's okay. Julia Stiles was clearly 20 years before her time with Kat. As a teen, she became the shrill character that encompassed the original character that Shakespeare wrote. And I think Kat, I think it was almost, that never happened in the 90s. Like she was so independent that she was someone we all needed to be in high school. And I think her acting, like I wish we saw more from Julia Stiles based on this movie alone. She plays it as pokey on the outside, but witty and confident. She mastered the ability to not care what other people think. She's been through trauma, as Joel likes to kind of throw under the bus, and she still found herself. It's a very layered performance, and she held her beliefs and always believed in herself. Mm, She didn't always believe in herself. She's always been self-doubting. So she fully, no, she is self-doubting at all. She, oh, yeah. She was totally like self-conscious oh, she about herself. No. She was. What are you talking about? You're saying the secure person who fights for her beliefs in class and gets kicked out regularly doesn't want to date because guys have treated her poorly in the past? I, just, I, I find it's interesting, Kent, that you decide that there's no precursor to the independent female roles of the 90s when you forget about Spice World, and Clueless, <laughs> Mulan, Hold on. Jurassic Park, Thelma and Louise, Freaky Friday, Reality Bites, Wait. A League of Their Own, First Wives Club, Now and Then, What's the resounding G.I. Theme of Jane. This? These all come, Pretty Woman, You said Spice the craft, World first and I lost track. <laughs> these all come before this movie. In fact, this movie is a pale attempt at being a Clueless. Did you not see that? Oh man, this is a much better, much better character. Hold on. Whoa. Relax, relax. Watch it. Clue, this is a better something. movie. Okay. But Kat is a better character than mm. Alicia Silverstone. Oh, she totally is. So she has a good reason for keeping herself and her emotions tightly under wraps, which Joel may have not have been able to look under. But she is embodied. She entirely subverts the whole trope of a high school girl. And then we find out there's a reason behind her uptight persona. She does a tremendous job balancing Kat's complicated personality all her spirit and fire with her charm and wit and a brace of likability. Okay, let me get to the others. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Did you actually write down, okay, let me get to the others? No, this is, this is me talking. Okay. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, great and relatable as a slightly nerdy Cameron. And he's adorable in this movie. And this is... He's deceitful. This is early on. He's not deceitful at all. He has an agenda. Ah. Uh, oh, okay. You're talking about deceitful? He How to lose a guy in 10 days? Oh, yeah. but no, That that's is a, the I'm, whole premise. Kent, this I'm is calling you out because you said that about my movie. You're saying your movie is no, no, a bunch well, of nice people. Uh, the trope of romantic comedies is everyone's kind of crummy. But it's levels of crummy. 
he really wants a date. And so he wants someone to take out the older sister, much like in Shakespeare's story. Much like exactly like. Well, exactly like, but it's played up better here. Oh, please. Oh, yeah. And I'd put Larissa Olenek, who is lesser known star this, against Kate Hudson any day. Are you kidding me? Oh, 100%. Do you really like Kate Hudson? Yes. Grating. Absolutely great. She's amazing. Goldie Hawn and her are cut from the same cloth. Also, and amazing. And I, I don't like this guy as an actor, but Andrew Keegan was a great villain in this movie. He's the jock, and you hate him in everything you see, basically. And he was perfect in this movie. And he kind of gets forgotten about the father in he this movie. He got forgotten about. Who, who is he? What is he? Andrew done? Keegan? Andrew, yeah, what are you going to do? Independence Day. <laughs> What? Yeah, is he an alien? Movie? No. Uh, but the, they're, <laughs> was they're, he an alien? Is I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> he was. But the, the father in this one, like the acting is all like Alice and Janney, like we described. The teachers are great the in perverted this movie. Te- the perverted counselor. Alice and Janney? Yeah. As a character actress? Crazy that she would play a weird role. Perverted. So she's perverted. That's her thing. So? <laughs> <laughs> like she stole those scenes. And I think I liked Matthew McConaughey. I liked him after the 10 years that he had the McConaughey's. But Kate Hudson, I can't stand. And so for oh, me, absolutely okay. it is the whole cast to everyone's delivery. May I ask you one question, though? Yes, this, is of course, of course. this is a legitimate question, yeah. Kent. Was Heath Ledger, is that his actual accent? Because I couldn't tell if he was Australian or not in the movie. And I was like, is he trying to hide well, it? They, they said he is was that just Australian. how he sounds? Yeah, they did. Yeah. But was he hiding his accent? Because it didn't sound like an Australian accent to me for much of the oh, time. Oh, no, that's a real Australian accent. That is? Yeah. His accent. I've seen interviews on TV. That's not. Uh, <laughs> is you not doubting his accent? I saw it on Common Sense Media. That's not the real accent. Honestly, he was so early into acting. Like, this was his first American performance. He's done a few, like, soap operas back over in Australia that they kind of even had to, like, let him learn on set. And, like, he just showed, he proved that he had star power from here. And so, yeah, I think they couldn't even fake it in a U.S. accent for this guy because mm. he was brand new. Okay, the next... Subject is cinematography, and I don't know why on earth we have Actually, this topic. Joel included these, and I was laughing I so hard. So I put cinematography on there. Just and, kind editing. Of like, yeah, and, and editing. Well, and editing, too. But it was more because like, I just put it in there. As, that's what we talk about when we talk about film. Isn't that funny? But romantic film, comedies... Is that what this is? Look, romantic comedies are not known for their cinematography. They're there for the writing and the acting, not right. for the there's, shot. There's a structure to them, and we both know this. There's yeah. not like, this is going to be a memorable shot. You just It needs to be comfort food. The one thing I wanted to bring up, about cinematography, because I was trying to find something to talk about. I wanted to talk about the end shot of 10 Things I Hate About You, uh-huh. which is when Letters to Cleo, the band, remember them? They were a band? Yeah, they're, uh, they're good. They're on top of the roof of the school at the end. And I just found this humorous anecdote where the, the lead singer of Letters to Cleo said that they said, look, every time we lift off this helicopter, it's $400,000. Because they didn't have drones back so in the day. Don't so screw helicopter this up. Shots. So they had to get this helicopter shot. And it's super windy. And it's super windy up there. They're already like scared they're going to fall off. And then this helicopter comes swooping towards them. And they thought for a second they were going to die because they didn't know, like they didn't say what the <laughs> helicopter was going to do. That's and funny. it like dropped altitude right at them and they were freaking out. Yeah. So, so obviously I was looking for ammo here. 400,000? So, that's the thing. It was like $400,000. So, so I cherry pick on this one, but I do want to talk about the cinematographers. Not that they did good in either of these movies, <laughs> by the way. But mine, mine uses soft focus for soft moments. So that's what I said. It was as, a bunch. As you know, because I'm going to attack Joel here, but lightly because I really don't think it's good in either one. But in 10 Things I Hate About You, Mark Irwin is a cinematographer. And he's done old school, uh, something about Mary, Kingpin, Scream, Dumb and Dumber. All Academy Mask, Awards cinematography I know, like a lot of yeah. crass comedies, but Did You Miss the Fly? And Dumb and Dumber, which I know you love. And then you John do. Bailey does cinematography for How to Lose. And he, he did Cat People, Divine Secrets of Yaya Sisterhood, and Must Love Dogs. 
neither are very great at what they do, but they're working. And so that's good. Good for them. <laughs> They've got work. That's excellent. Let's move on to editing. Editing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I did want to bring up this. Let's yeah. give you 30 seconds combined. Uh, right. Uh, can't mention the moment. And I do think it was a pretty good moment. Uh, regardless, the weird, the horrible screeching guitar at the beginning was irritating to me. But then it went to one week and then that scratches out and they do her. That's a good introduction of character. It didn't, don't you kind of like that? Yeah. yeah. Like I honestly went, oh, okay. Because that's kind of cool. We like one week. But that's yeah. really not what the but movie it's not, is. Can you it's sing it right now? Thing. Yeah. One week since you looked at me, I can do the whole thing. Uh, but I was, I was just trying to say, give you guys a unifying moment here. But at the okay. beginning of 10 things. I think we're getting along at, now. At mm-hmm. the beginning of uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, you actually learn about Andy through montage with little to no words. No narration or clumsy dialogue. It just kind of shows who she is through her articles just by flashing them on the screen. But why is she and named Andy? Why is she named Andy? Yeah. For the alliteration. Okay, I'll have to ask. Andy, it's like Anderson. a gender, gender neutral name, it like is. Kate Hudson kind of is. It's more than like okay. like Andy McDowell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like how we're talking about editing, and then all yeah. of a sudden it's gender neutral. I tried and to then, make something interesting, here. and this is my uh, anti uh, my con towards Kent's movie. I feel like they jump from scene to scene sometimes just to tell a joke rather than tell a story. Like for example, the first big joke of the movie is a near death experience on a motorcycle. When a guy rides off a hill and goes down a hill and and that's the joke. And it was really, there was no purpose of that until to be like, joke, moving on. And they kept doing that movie where it's like, we have nothing really to say about the story here. We're just telling a joke and moving on. The first joke or the first thing you see in uh, How to Lose a Guy is how to get your bigger booty. That's the first thing you see. It's the kind of thing you see. And that's the thing. It's, it's the shallow writing of the how-to magazines. That's the whole point of displaying what shallow she's Shallow writing. She's, she's not... Period. You can put a period there. <laughs> she's not happy with her current job, and she has to write these fluff articles. So on 10 Things I Hate About You, the editor was O. Nicholas Brown, and he did Tremors, City Slickers, and Heart and Souls. And the editor for How to Lose is Deborah Neal Fisher, who did the Fifty Shades series, uh, Son of the Mask, and Teaching Miss Tingle. So you're saying that women aren't good editors, what you're saying? Oh, that <laughs> that's what basically what I said about you before. <laughs> exactly. So, hey, handshake. <laughs> Love you, Joel. <laughs> I'm going to villainize you as much as I possibly can. <laughs> Let's attack the character of each other. I know. All right. Let's hear about your points on the cultural impact and legacy of each movie. Oh, man. I'm so happy we're here. Me too. <laughs> because on my opening weekend... Uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days made $23 million in almost 3,000 theaters. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You made $8 million in 2,000 theaters. Open up against The Matrix. Oh, Isn't box okay. office a let's different go category with, here? Let's go with it. Well, this is, this is the impact. When, impact. Oh, it's opening weekend. That's not final box office. Okay. My movie ran for 328 days or 46 weeks. 10 Things I Hate About Zombie You. Zombie outbreak right there. Uh, Kent's movie ran for 276 days and 39 weeks. My widest release was, a, like I said, about 3,000 theaters. Kent's widest release was about 2,300 theaters. But let's give some context because grand romantic comedies with these kind of stars, not new stars, they were more successful at the time before they died. Whereas mm-hmm. teen comedies generally made about 50 million. And we will get there, right? We'll get to the box office. But I'm just saying they're smaller movies. The impact yeah. was, was uh, logically... And objectively better for How to well, Lose a Guy in 10 let's Days. Let's talk about actual impact and not opening weekend. Because the AV Club, they have an article about the downfall of rom-coms. The AV Club? Yep. The people who don't know when to stop writing? And this is a very long quote. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually say How to Lose a Guy 
is an unfortunate turning point for the rom-com genre. And they say, in an oversaturated market, early 2000s romantic comedies relied on high-concept hooks to differentiate themselves. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days has one of those. But what's even more striking about the film is that it has absolutely no texture. 90s rom-com creative forces like Nora Ephron or Richard Curtis, who did Four Weddings and a Funeral, mm-hmm. About Time. I'm trying to think of his other movies. but Love you know, Actually. Was, yeah, Love Actually, right? Speaking of great rom-coms, they were creating eclectic lived-in worlds. And How to Lose a Guy is defined by its generic, glossy sheen. And they say Hollywood seemed to take from the film's success as proof they didn't need to put in that much artistic effort into romantic comedies in order for them to find an audience. And just real quick, sorry, I've gone on a long time. Pre this movie, and this is the impact, mm-hmm. pre this movie, let's talk about classic rom-coms. Pretty Woman, When Harry Met Sally, Notting Hill, Sleepless in Seattle, Big Fat Greek Wedding, Bridget Jones Diary, Best Friends Wedding, Wedding Singer, and You've Got Mail. Post How to Lose, we've got 27 Dresses, The Ugly Truth, Failure to launch. He's just not that into you. And maid of honor. They broke the mold when they made this one, Jacob. <laughs> they used they every trope and no, it Kent, died. I'm glad is you. It st- is it still because alive, it tried to be imitated I, no. after that? Is that the idea? I, I'm saying that this was kind of the, the end of the greats. This was this was the last titan. But Ken, I want to ask you a question. So Does that, that mean that, it killed it though? That review from the AV Club mm-hmm. is was very interesting. What did the AV Club had to say about Ten Things I Hate About You? They loved it. What'd they say? I didn't write that, but because they, loved they didn't it. write an article about it because it didn't matter. But let's talk about how people. <laughs> he's doing he's doing jazz hand stuff. Let's talk about how people actually like it. So someone tweeted out this is last year. And this is just No. Someone no, tweeted seriously, out. I don't know what this person does. Her name is Alana Bennett, so at Alana Bennett last year said 10 Things I Hate About You had no right to jam as hard as it does. It's a perfect movie. Practically every scene, every background moment slaps. How did they do that? And here's the weird thing. Wait, Kent, what was the Twitter handle on this? At Alana Bennett. How do you spell that? A L A N N A. B-E-N-N-E-T-T. Okay. Yeah, find out where she works. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just trying this to sounds, see. But let me talk about this. Because this is a simple tweet, right? That's a pretty silly tweet. Mm-hmm. Had 9,000 retweets and 36,000 likes. pronouns in her profile name. Just saying. Oh, what? Strong Independent Woman? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't even. <laughs> I know, sorry. Uh, 36,000 likes, 9,000 retweets. That's cultural impact. And then every comment, like I, I don't want to go through because they're all kind of written poorly. How long ago was the tweet? This is last year. Who's tweeting 20, about this now? Yeah, exactly. But people do. No, and actually... Who's tweeting about this now is what he meant. Can oh, you get a 2020 tweet about this? This is last year. Can you get a 2022 about should this? We, should we look up the trending status for <laughs> How to Lose a Guy? Just saying. So kids. Ranker.com, which is all user-based. This isn't mm-hmm. critics that we may not trust. This is user-based. Like IMDb trivia? Yeah, mm-hmm. which I use all the time. I agree. Mm-hmm. But you, you can go in and now click these movies, which you like. Let me go over their five best romantic comedies of all time user base remember okay number one pretty woman obviously number two when harry met sally obviously three princess bride romantic comedy yeah i give okay it okay fine number four love actually number five ten things i hate about you this is what happens when you give the popular vote to the people jacob because <laughs> they're so about the sleepless in seattle <laughs> sleepless in seattle didn't even make it above there what was you're, n- you're saying that ten things i hate about you is better than sleepless in seattle is the, people sp- the people have spoken is that what you're saying number Kent? 19 how to lose a guy in 10 days Oh, that's a far drop. Also, on Ranker.com. I kind of feel like... Sleep is in Seattle. Not 10 Things guy. I Hate About You. I think Christopher Nolan owes a lot to this movie for his career. Oh, please. It inter- introduced Heath Ledger to the masses. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph I think, Gordon-Levitt, yeah. I think Christopher Nolan's like, <laughs> I think I want to make Memento next year. <laughs> you know what the real legacy of uh, 10 Things I Hate About You is, Jacob? I'm ready. It was adapted into a television series of the same title, which ran for only 20 episodes, and the only person to join that was Larry Miller, the dad. He's great, He's the actually. only one who returned to, the, to that role. Now... 
in, in your defense. And then it failed. In your defense, How to Lose a Guy is going to get a TV series, which was announced last year on the Quibo streaming channel. What's, what channel is the 10 Things I Hate About You series coming It's back? not anymore, but it had a full season. Hmm, Quibo. So no one wants Quibo. That. Yep. I'm going to go watch Quibo. Hey, <laughs> I'll have you know some good Quibo, shows come off random channels when they get on Netflix. <laughs> no. Quibo. I want to talk about, I talked about how that killed Can the genre. Can the outro? Thanks yeah. for watching Quibo. <laughs> how, how to Lose a Guy killed the genre. Let's talk about 10 Things I Hate About You. It was didn't in the kill the genre. Day. It was the epitome of the genre. It was like they built up to it. There were all these great ones before. And it's like, hey, we're using everything right, we've learned. Guys, decline no, do you have somewhere. more arguments on legacy? Real quick, Let's, real quick. Oh, so post 10 Things I Hate About You. from a tweet from someone. Bring it on. American <laughs> Pie, Freaky Friday, Mean Girls, Save Napoleon Dynamite, She's the Man, Superbad, Why 17 again. Why are you movies? These are movies that followed. This was a great genre. And 10 Things I Hate About You helped it stay great. No. Also, the importance of cat and modern media. I know I kind of covered this, but I do want to say this. It stayed tethered to the typical tropes and outcomes of its ilk, of its genre, but it made a conscious effort to focus its emotional arc on an autonomous young woman, unashamed of her lifestyle and worldview. This is Cat's story, and it's a beautiful story. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Thank you. No need to laugh. I'm just <laughs> laughing because right. you're, you're pushing that so hard. I'm like, that's not even the argument. Okay. Oh, it's, which it, it, has not, it has a redeemable character, like one of the best in any teen comedy. Julia Stiles. Yes. Flashing a teacher. That's a weird part, but still her character is great. <laughs> it's a super inappropriate part, I gotta say. It was so it weird. Could never be made I was now. like, why would they think they could get away with this? Like, no, yeah, could you imagine? No, that would not go well. All right, next category is box office, <sighs> which we've already hit on partly. I love yes, a little bit. To me. But now we can see the overall. Uh, so the budget on mine was about fifty million, and it made one hundred and seventy-seven million dollars. That's one hundred and five million in the United States and seventy-one internationally. Mine was made for sixteen million. 60 million, pretty low budget, made 53 million. Ooh, if you want to talk about sorry. profits, though. Need a hug? Oh, not at all. In fact, it's kind of crazy if you make a low budget indie film with lesser known stars. You make million, 53 million. 53 so million. Print and advertising, yours cost 100 million. They both made a profit. How weird. Yours made. More of a profit. Slightly more of a profit based on well, how much I heard it's made more for. of a profit there. Slightly. Right? More of a profit. Remember how I talked about the genre and it killed the genre? More money here on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Bigger stars probably should have made more money. Big drop off on In yours. fact, big drop off after your movie because people stopped caring about the genre. They reached a point where they're like, yes, now we've perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Actually, I just love that Joel said that. <laughs> okay. I think you guys have covered box office, really, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's, a, it's so, an objective one that so I want. Yes. Critical reviews. Okay. What do the critics say? Go first, Ken. We trust all the critics aggregated. So I'm just going to talk about 10 things I hate about you. But Metacritic for 10 things I hate about you is 70%. A Rotten Tomatoes. Hate that I have to say this. Yeah, it's sixty-eight percent. Okay. Now, okay. give yours real quick no, before in, we get in into fairness, Kent. In, in fairness, fairness yeah. Kent has uh, it's sixty-eight percent on seventy-five critic reviews and sixty-nine percent on the audience review. My movie seventy-seven percent on the audience review, so it automatically beats either one of those scores. Wait, so you're just going out on its review? You're not going to talk about its critic score? Oh, it got. It What's got, the critic score? Forty-two percent on one hundred and fifty. Forty-two against. So more 68. reviews. It, it has doubled the reviews. So of course it's going to be lower. More screens. It's going to be a little bit lower because it has more reviews because more people cared to watch it and review it. Forty-two percent and forty-five percent on Metacritic. Seventy-seven percent by the audience, which which is definitely more than any. I don't like using this because I don't like using critical reviews as a case against it or box office because if we're going box office, Transformers is the best movie of all time. Yeah. Um, By the way, I want to bring this up. Are you sure? (laughs) It is. Last (laughs) night. The the last night. Oh, Uh, okay. Yeah. Kent's uh, movie, uh, How to Lose. Man, I always get it mixed up. I do. 10 Things I Hate About You was nominated for 17 Choice Awards. 
and it lost every oh, single one. It really broke my heart. It's actually why I stopped it watching. Lost to, I want, it <laughs> lost to there's something team choice. It, it lost to so there's something about Mary, Cruel Intentions, Varsity Blues, Forces of Nature, City of Angels. And she's all that. Yeah, City of Angels had Goo Goo Dolls doing the soundtrack. Like that was amazing. <laughs> and I don't want the world to so see. So I did get, I did pull quotes from critics. And what's our City of Angels show? Yeah, Rex Reed for How to Lose said more of an exercise in how to lose an audience in ten minutes. Richard Roper said this torture premise to get them together and the things they go through and every minute of it just lies flat on the screen. Stephen Hunter from Washington Post about Ten Things I Hate About You. He said a movie that looks outward leads you elsewhere, out of out of the self toward literature and life. Caroline Westbrook from Empire Magazine says, With the finest source material around, given a modern seeing, this teen comedy is somehow tried and true, but fresh all at the same time. Do you cool. have anything? Sorry, I'm just, I feel like no, I'm talking fine. forever. I was just going to bring up that uh, Kent knocked on the score earlier, and I got confused because I, I remembered that there was an award-winning composer for this movie, for 10, that was a guy in 10 days. David Newman won a BMI Film Music Award for scoring okay, this Jake, movie. Okay, Jake, I want you to watch this movie and listen to the score because it's like, it's horrible. It's a sitcom score. And yet it but won an award. The score. And you... Did it win an award? Didn't. Yeah, it won a BMI Music Award for, for the score. This movie. Yes, ten, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Watch this movie, movie and you tell me if it's good. At least it's it, Apparently, they, I work for BMI industry. and I gave it an award. BMG, yeah. is that where you pay no. a dollar? You pay a cent? No. Okay, so let's talk about Roger Ebert, who we talk about on the show a lot. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. His thoughts about How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, he says, and he's talking about Matthew McConaughey's character, he puts up with the mistreatment because he has his own bet to win and also because, doggone it, he's fallen in love with the vaporous fluffball of narcissistic cluelessness. That leaves only one big scene for us to anticipate or dread, the inevitable moment when they both find out the other made a bet. At a moment like that, a reasonably intelligent couple would take a beat, start laughing, and head for the nearest place. <laughs> I'm not going to say what it says. Uh, uh, room. But no, these characters descend from a moribund fictional ideas of earlier decades and must react in horror, runaway, and grief and prepare to leave town while we in the audience make our bets about their IQs. Here's what he said about 10 Things I Hate About You. He says, I like the movie spirit, the actors, and some of the scenes. The music, much of it by band Letters to Cleo, is subtle and inventive while still cheerful. The movie almost, but not quite achieves, lift off against the gravitational pull of the tired story formula. So he's saying both are just romantic comedies, but he says... Sometimes it's a mistake to have acting this charming. The characters become so engaging and spontaneous, we notice how they're trapped in the plot. So he's basically saying, the plot, you've seen a million times before, but mm -hmm. the acting is so charming. You want to know what else uh, Roger Ebert loved? This is legitimate. I yes. looked this up. Anaconda. Congo. <laughs> you just hey, Roger Ebert? Garfield the movie. <laughs> Ghosts of Mars. The Happening. Speed 2. Cruise Control. Hitman. Home Alone 3 and Star Wars Episode 1 The Phantom Menace are ones that Roger Ebert Didn't you defend gave. that movie? You can now never use Roger Ebert in an argument again. Oh, I can. Just not in this show. <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten. May rest in peace. Anyways, that's critic reviews. Joel, do you have anything else? Oh, no. I, I was going to say, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't looking up on Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Or because like it, I just noticed the BMI Because award. it looks bad for Kate you. Kate Hudson nominated for Best Female Performance in the 2003 MTV Music Awards. And then we also got nominated for 16 Choice Awards, including Choice oh, Movie Actress. Oh, but not actress, seven. Uh, choice <laughs> Movie Liar, choice movie, uh, choice movie Lip Lock, and Choice Movie Villain. All right. For... Well, that was our last category. So we're moving into the closing. So this is your opportunity to vilify each other's characters for up to five minutes. We beat on each other so much, Exclusively, though. Exclusively. Honestly, if the movies don't even come up, that's okay. 
All right. It's just it's just mostly I said a lot of bad things attacks. about Joel, which are not true. Mm-hmm. They're true in this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I love him dearly and he loves everyone. So mm-hmm. all right. So it's gonna be uh Joel so I, final I get my statements. Five minutes for final statements. And uh or up to since you guys didn't use the five minutes, and you probably won't, because that's actually a really long freaking time. And then Kent, yeah. you have your rebuttal, and then Kent final statements, Joel rebuttal. And then I will pronounce a winner on Patreon. Well, actually, I oh, will pronounce a winner on Patreon. <laughs> I feel oh, like we should listener do, decide. We should do a survey. Yeah, we will on social media. Oh, we will because most people I talk yeah, to should. said ten things I hate about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one person you talked to at lunch who said one of her favorite movies of all time is Ten Things I Hate About You. Yes, which that just shows you also Emily her height. Who of said movies. by the way Ten Things I Hate About You for the win? Emily, mm-hmm. a guest on our show. Mm-hmm. Also Roger Ebert apparently. Yeah. Yeah. What does he know? He's dead. <laughs> he liked Anaconda. <laughs> he don't Anaconda. want none. Yeah. No. What? Well. All right. Jacob, do you have the timer ready? Oh, and begin. At the beginning of this argument, this debate, I talked about how this was the comfort food of romantic comedies. And I'd like to present to you the listener now. I'm not talking to the people in the room here. I want to talk to you. The perfect recipe for a romantic comedy. One half cup city life. Most all romantic comedies take place in a big city. This is, of course, because that's where all the jobs are at. If they're not taking place in Los Angeles, New York, or Seattle, then they're dealing with someone from the big city who has ended up in the country and has to learn about what life is really all about. Two Cups Corner Office. If you're a character in a romantic comedy, chances are that you work in advertising and or journalism. These are apparently the only jobs available in a big city. Sure, one of the characters may work with animals, the homeless, or children, but the other one will inevitably be trying to make a deadline with their latest article or trying to win a big advertising campaign. Two Cups, Mutual Loathing. When two people in romantic comedies meet for the first time, they're going to hate each other, at least a little bit. But it's not a completely bleak outlook because the two people that once hated each other will inevitably love each other in the end. Two Teaspoons Support. What is a budding relationship if you don't have anyone to talk about it with? That's why writers always find space for a supportive best friend type for the girl and sometimes the guy to, to, sound their, to be their sounding board, give them advice along the way, and then be, be there for them when things go horribly, horribly wrong. And they will. Oh, they will. A dash of quirkiness. Characters in romantic comedies must have that must have odd families, or they hang out with older people who are quirky and or blunt. These screwball characters will keep the laughter rolling with their mis- with their misunderstandings. A funny and loving family makes any character more endearing. And if the quirky family accepts the new boyfriend or girlfriend, then the audience will accept them as well. One tablespoon bad luck. True identities will be revealed, the perfect plan will fall apart, and your real reasons for getting into the relationship will be uncovered just as you are really starting to fall in love. Thus is life in a romantic comedy. Regardless of which party entered their relationship under false pretenses, they will be unable to keep their secret for long, only the first 76 minutes or so. One half teaspoon apologies. Someone has to say they're sorry in romantic comedy, and it's usually the guy. Even if the female character was in the wrong and has completely ruined the male character's life and career, the male will still probably apologize. See also, Hitch. One big scoop of suspense. Near the end of the film, one person will always be hurrying as fast as they can to get to the other person during the obligatory chase scene. Usually it's to stop the other person from running away, taking another job in a faraway land, marrying someone else, or doing something else drastic. Sometimes they catch them, sometimes they don't. But for some reason, there must always be someone running or driving after the other person in a romantic comedy. Once you have all these ingredients in a bowl, uh, once you have all these ingredients, stir them together on a large screen until blended well. Add Matthew McConaughey or Julia Roberts as needed. Place promotional ads in People Magazine and Entertainment Weekly and do interviews on daytime talk shows. Let simmer. Distribute the film to the months closest to Valentine's Day or Christmas. Bon appetit. This recipe will yield $34 million to $240 million lifetime gross. Now, while most romantic comedies feature some of these ingredients, 
how to lose a guy in 10 days has them all. It is comfort food. It is what you want to see in a romantic comedy. And it is one of the perfect examples of a romantic comedy. Gint, you've got, uh, you know, a minute to re or two, technically. I you just used got, three minutes, 15 seconds. So I just got food poisoning from that old recipe with old ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about this before. Joel and I had this conversation, or it was actually earlier today, and we discussed the epi- this episode and these opposing movies. And I, I smirked. I was like, how silly is it that we're fighting about these movies? Who takes these movies seriously? And Joel said, I actually, really, I actually really like How to Lose a Guy. And I was like, what? What? And then he, so he said, yeah, the genre died somewhere around the mid 2000s. I don't want to misquote you, but he said it died somewhere around the mid 2000s. And I think we found the culprit that introduced the new level of blend and poor quality that started the end of the genre altogether. The theme of How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is all's fair in love and war. Though the only participant that lost the war is the audience. <laughs> Each character has a muddled sense of integrity, whether journalistic or competitive, but nothing they display throughout shows that they actually have any integrity. Heck, since everyone wa- just wants to lie to each other, wouldn't it just be easier to lie to the people that gave them the bet and the article in the first place? All right. Scene. And scene. Okay, Kent, closing statements from you. When the director of 10 Things I Hate About You, Gil Younger, his agent gave him the script for a teen version of Taming of the Shrew, he said, absolutely not. I have no interest in doing a typical high school film. I wanted to do a romantic love story, but the urging of my agent, I read the script. I loved it. The depth of it surprised me. It really is a romantic love story. The plot is beautifully interwoven and the humor works because it comes from the characters. While Joel is angry about, and you kind of did clarify this, the unfaithfulness to the Shakespeare play. And it's not my favorite. It's Shakespeare, so you really can't go wrong with it because there's clever writing, but I don't think the values translate very well to modern days. And I would rather watch even the worst rom-com based on a Shakespeare play than based on a stick figure picture book. 10 Things I Hate About You may be a product of the 90s, a solid product of the 90s, but it excels and still holds up. The cast, the soundtrack, the setting, the script make it a classic in the genre. I watched this ironically almost every time I watched it, but within a half hour, I fell in love with the movie all over again. It's a celebration of young American women. They're smarter, tougher, shrewder, more persistent, more honest in this movie, especially than any movie in the majority of its genre. Julia Stiles' character of Cat could have ended the movie just as strong and independent as she started, meaning with no guy, and the audience would see it as strength. That movie made me smile. The other made me sad. Andy is duplicitous. She lets her dreams go by the wayside for impulse. She could have worked on any article about women in the workplace, equality, but she wrote about what made her best friend's relationship fail. She could have written it about politics. She could have written for New York Times or Washington Post. She's a very well-educated woman. She wrote this one article about tricking men. And I want to talk about Roger Ebert's review, or talking about Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. He said, Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson star. I neglected to mention that because maybe because I was trying to place them in this review's version of the Witness Protection Program. If I were taken off the movie beat and assigned to cover the interior design of bowling alleys, I would have some idea how they must have felt as they made this film. And Joel, I want to read you a poem, much like Julia Stiles. And this is not about you. This is about how to lose a guy in, in 10 days. I hate your scummy premise and unlikable lead roles. I hate your inconsistencies and all of your plot holes. I hate all the nicknames like Princess Sophia and Kroll. I hate your tacky ending. It really felt so dull. I really hate Andy. She was such a blight. I hate that you ruined McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. I hate that you killed a genre. You ruined all its hopes. I hate that you rely on stereotypes and tropes. But mostly, I hate the effect you've had on Joel, 
because this horrible fight, <laughs> have mercy on his soul. So in closing, I just like to say we can forget about 10 days because Joel just learned how to lose. My rebuttal? And your rebuttal. Probably extra points for writing a poem, though. Okay. I wrote a recipe. Yeah, that's pretty good, too. It's really long. Uh, oh, I had <laughs> Extra cute points for both of you? Yay, cute for points. For rom-coms. Now, here's the thing. I could talk about how it's great Kent read that poem, because the whole point of that poem in the movie is how much Kent actually loves Patrick, and so I know that Kent actually loves I, How to Lose a Guy in You, I love you. You, know, you said it wasn't about me. You said it was about How to Lose a Guy in and, and that you love it. everything. Also, I, 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 just, I could also talk about how he keeps bashing on my movie for not having Strong Independent Woman when it features a whole women's magazine, a company run by women for Based women. Based off the Cosmopolitan, which does what to children? I'm just saying, Kent. Hmm. You, you, you just don't Smut. see it. Smut. But I don't want to talk about that. What I want to talk about in my rebuttal time okay. are movie Shakespearean adaptations that are better than 10 Things I Hate About You. Much Ado About Nothing, starring Kate Beckinsale, 1993. Romeo and Juliet, starring Clary Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio, 1996. The Merchant of Venice, starring Al Pacino, 2003. West Side Story, 1961. The Lion King, 1994. Taming of the Shrew, 1967. Hamlet, starring Mel Gibson, 1990. Forbidden Planet, uh, which is based on The Tempest, 1956. Scotland, PA, starring Christopher Walken, 2001. And Strange Brew, 1983. These are all better uses of your times if you're looking for a Shakespearean adaptation than the horrible, crude, raunchy teen comedy, PG-13 teen comedy of 10 Things I Hate About You. You left a lot of Shakespearean adaptations out there. These are the ones that I really like. like it, I, I could list a whole list of like generic ones. We have ones a Best Picture winner too, the old hand. This is my third yeah. favorite Shakespeare adaptation. This doesn't make my top. No, of course not. Like, you, you almost walked out. You almost walked out. Honestly, as I was watching these two movies, I was like, oh man, it's going to be hard comparing these two. It was clear in my mind which one I liked better. Oh, yeah. Personal bias. That's what this game is about. You 2.5 stars. Yeah. Jake, how do we do? All right, you guys. I feel like we all came right. together. We were a little fiery right, to begin right, with. Right. Joel, I really do love you a lot. And it's Valentine's Day. And we'll hug later. It's not Valentine's Day yet. It's Valentine's Day this week. Well, Don't forget. Podcast it's magic. Day. Yeah. 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 Do not forget. Well, guys, that was really interesting. I forgot how, um, gosh, explicit, um, <laughs> offensive. <laughs> Uh, endearing and yeah. shameless these these verses ones can be. Do you know what my goal was before we started the show? Don't interrupt Joel, and I just don't know how not to. Well, <laughs> it's true. I mean, you guys just it's interrupt each other. Relentlessly. I know, but I'm like, yeah. I was like, don't do it. Don't be a punk, and I can't help it. <laughs> he just gets so fiery. Yeah. He had fiery eyes a couple times there. I don't know if you noticed that, Jacob. I did, and so did you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. As uh, no, I get fiery voice. He gets yep. fiery eyes where he's like, I'm angry. Daggers. But I'm not daggers. Daggers. Say. Yeah. Oh my so goodness. So let us know what you think. <laughs> yeah, we want the listener to vote on this. We, we, honestly, we both argued about it for over an hour now because um, we never really come up with a winner, right? I actually like Jake, really feel like I need to go watch both of these, except I really don't want to. No, no, you should watch mine. <laughs> I recommend you watch both because well, you should. If we're going to ask people, well, if they I have, haven't I actually seen have these. fond memories of both of these. And yes. it's been, I mean, twenty years since I've seen these. So I got back. And I was dating this girl, and she was like, "You haven't seen How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days? You have to watch that." And I was like, "Heaven help me! Please do not make me watch a rom com." And I thought. That was actually pretty funny. But then 10 Things I Hate About You, I was like, okay, I mean, there's no way this is going to be good. And then I'm, and then Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles, they kind of won me over. I remember being kind of charmed by both of these. So I feel like I need to go back. You really should. In fact, if you haven't, listener, if you have not seen these movies, actually watch both. On Valentine's like it's Day. A good, it's a good measure. Ooh, of that's just a good idea. From 20 that's years ago. for you, listener. But let us know these both on if Valentine's you have seen Day. them both. And you've listened to, even if you haven't, you've listened to both our arguments. Yeah. Let us know in the comments on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Let us know, not which one you prefer, but based on our arguments, who won. 
well, and also which movies. Which movie is better? Are fine. you afraid of which movies? Better? No, no, it's just more. I should announce. Like, I should announce the real winner. Because I'm worried that people do it like without even listening to the episode. They'll be like, I like oh, this yeah. one better, and I'm Both. like, no, I gotta listen to the arguments. Yeah, you so. also need to watch them too. I think. But guys, I'm really happy mostly that we have a new question to ask the guests. Ooh, we're not <laughs> adding <laughs> this to the list, are we? we? Yeah, so you are. have to. It's a versus. <laughs> that about list, this for that an hour. list can't get exponentially larger with each <laughs> versus show we it's, do. It's been a couple of years. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it can, and it, I guess it has to now. Yeah, but thank you for listening. Yeah, thank we you very much. It. I know it's kind of a harder show because we are just badgering each other. <laughs> But That's kind of what Bacon's all started, though. No, yeah, there's going to be a lot is. of people that are going to be like, ah, uh, back to the roots. Others that are going to be like, mom, dad, stop fighting. <laughs> it really is. And listener, if you enjoyed this, I highly recommend you go back through old episodes, go and find the most America movie. If, no, yeah. on, if you go to BaconCell.com, you can see tags uh, below each episode. Mm-hmm. And one of those is Verses. And if you click on Verses, yep. it will pull up like all the Verses Nightmare Before Christmas. You can do a category show. You can do our list show with our discussion with our Bacon bits. Yeah, there's go tags find, on there. Go find these old Verses ones because... Some real madness ensues. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 But before we go, we'd like to give some love to our patrons, specifically our I Am The Listener tier, including Adrian Gray, Stephen Ross, Terry Finlay, Crew Dutler, Spencer Larson, Braden Winterton, Chris Drought, Colton Cook, Jennifer Kukowski, Sean Sanquist, and Arsenal. And then we have our Bacon Council, who we had a lovely uh, lunch with. Yeah, it's uh, great. Planning lunch the other, the other day. That was yeah. nice. Uh, including Mats Mudro, Ryan Farron, Chris Anderson, Nicole D. Hale, and Reverse Listener. Thank you for being patrons. Thank you, Even guys. if we didn't say your name, we still appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. But if you want to find me, you can find me at 76Joel on Twitter, or you can find me performing with QuickWits. They perform every Saturday night at the Midbell Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the QuickWits Facebook page. If you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's showtimeshowdown.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob A. Rogers and Bacon Sale on Twitter and on Instagram at Bacon Sale. You can find our merchandise at tpublic.com slash bacon sale. Make sure if you want more content from us that you go to patreon.com slash bacon sale. And even if you don't want more content and just want to support us and say, hey guys, you're doing a good job here. For the price of a black bean quesarito yeah. per month. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, One I mean, black bean quesarito yeah, per month. I mean, three for three bucks, you could do this. And uh, and then you get some more content. You can hear us arguing. You can hear about Ken's dating life and us <laughs> leaving reviews. It's and and uh, I, yeah, I really wish we had an, another one right now. And thanks again to those of you that are patrons right now. We really do appreciate you. And I got to tell you, just genuinely, anytime I see someone new sign up, it, it just thrills me. That's and it's great. so fun to see that you guys are out there. You're enjoying the content. You want to support us. It really means a whole lot. Yeah. So until next time, Kent, you're so vain. You probably thought this show was about you. <laughs> Hello, <clears throat> Kenny. I'm ready to talk about '90s rom-coms. I heard a buzzy, buzzy, buzzy. in my headphones. Oh, blah, 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 buzzy, buzzy headphones. Blah. It's like my ears are getting a hug, soft, warm hug from my headphones. I'm a fan. Guy things. <laughs> guy things I hate about you. Ten guy, guy things. Ten guy things I hate about he- you. Thanks, I'm IMDb trivia. So, oh, Heath what are you Ledger. going off of? I think it's pronounced Heath frickin' Ledger. That is great love writing right there. <laughs> Not bullcrap. Jacob, I demand a rewrite that this romantic comedy revolves around love. I forgot how you guys find the weirdest crap to I know we about in the movies. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> he was taking care of his sick grandpa who was dead. And he spent that year... He's not very good at taking care of him. Maybe try growing up once in a while and watching a movie for adults. No consumerism, thank goodness. Six minutes into the movie, Matthew McConaughey takes off his shirt. You're welcome. And I just saw Matthew McConaughey's bare chest. No problem. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
A lot Chopin. of these are... It has Chopin. All right, Leo. All right, this is for him. He was paying for drugs. He needed a reconnaissance to come back. Now attack mine because I've attacked yours. I'd rather not get into the middle of this. Could you imagine? Oh, Ken's got his mocking arms out. Everyone listen. (laughs) I love women. I do. Whether they're 4, 40, or my 88-year-old grandmother. Ken's promoting a movie that promotes Jared Leto. I burn, I pine, I perish. He basically invented Quidditch. Hold on. Whoa. Relax. Relax. Watch it. So she's perverted. That's her thing. Okay, the next subject is cinematography and i don't know why on earth we have Actually, this topic mine uses soft focus for soft moments so <laughs> that's what i said yeah. neither are very great at what they do but they're working and so that's good, good for them <laughs> they've got work i'm gonna villainize you as much as i possibly can let's find, yeah, find out where she works oh what strong independent woman <laughs> no don't even i know sorry this is what happens when you give the popular vote to the people. Quibo. No one wants Quibo. Yep, I'm going to go watch Quibo. Hey. Yes. Now we've perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Actually, I just love that Joel said that. You can now never use Roger Ebert in an argument again. Oh, I can. Just not in this show. What does he know? He's dead. <laughs> he liked Anaconda. <laughs> Oh, I had Extra cute minutes. points for both of you. Yay, cute points. Wrong. And that's all I can tell you about that.